to start this morning with a, a little moment of honesty. How many of you here this morning, how many of you would admit that you have a tendency to try and avoid those small, annoying, everyday tasks that need to be done? Anyone like that this morning? You ever said, thank, thank you. Thank you for the honesty this morning. Some of you, come on, we're in church. Let's be honest. I think every one of us should have raised our hands there. Some of you are like, no, I love them. I, I really enjoy doing those small, boring, everyday tasks. I, I don't believe that. So, so here, maybe you just don't understand what I'm talking about. So let me give you a few examples of the kind of tasks I'm talking about. So um, this represents one of those tasks, okay? You know what this is, all right? It's 10 seconds. That's all it takes to remove this and replace it with a new one. But how many of you have gone into the restroom and you're like, "Ah, who was the last person? Why didn't someone replace that? Maybe you're one of those people that gets really close to the end, so you just intentionally leave like just two or three pieces left. So you're like, hey, I was the last one. <laughs> no one else do that? Okay. Um, this, this represents one of the, uh, those mundane tasks at my house. Okay, my wife didn't know I was going to be bringing our thing here with our plates and cups, but here it is. This, this represents the sink at the Jane household, okay? So we actually have a dishwasher. It's brilliant. You put the dishes in, it washes them, all right? But uh, for some reason, uh, all the, the cups and the plates, the knives and forks, they end up in the sink instead of the dishwasher. Why is that? I'm, I'm not sure why that is the case. Um, sometimes I've actually figured out who's been eating in what parts of the house, and they've walked past the dishwasher to get to the sink. It took them longer to get this item into the sink than actually in the dishwasher itself. I say them because obviously it's not me. Um, this represents another one of those mundane tasks that we all face. Okay, I know you've all got a trash can like this, and I know that whether it's a thing that pops up or a drawer that opens, inevitably there will come that time where you look and it's full. And in that moment, you've got a choice, haven't you? You could empty it. or you... Exactly, yes. You're like, I can get some more in there. So I'm going to squish that right down. And here's what happens, okay? You're the first one to squish and you're like, I got away with not having to do it. You come back three days later, you open the drawer and everyone's been squishing since then. And now it's like completely, I mean, there's nothing you can get in there. So now you have to empty it and you're stuck with that whole suction theme because everyone's squished so much that it's like completely vacuum sealed in there and you can't. But we do that, don't we? We're kind of chuckling and giggling, but we do that, don't we? It's called task avoidance. We look for ways to to avoid these these simple tasks, which in actual fact is silly because they might take 10, 20, 30 seconds at the most. And we can chuckle, but, but let me ask you this. How many issues in a marriage or in a family or amongst roommates or friends, those those sources of attention can be traced back to that resistance to serve? The resistance to serve. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, what it looks like to be a people that are identified by the way that we would serve one another. Because I think, I'll be honest with you this morning, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're here kind of checking things out, you're, you're not really sure yet what you believe, I think you're going to find this is some great advice here this morning. Now, if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, I don't think this is advice for us. We're in a series called Love Does, and we're going to talk about the idea that love serves. And I think Jesus models to us um, something we're going to see this morning. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't advice. This is something as followers of Jesus we should be identified by. 
that we are a people that serve one another. Because the problem is, if we're not, these little things that we chuckle about this morning, they can build up, and over time, they can affect those relationships. They can affect that love. We're talking about what it looks like when love does. The great thing about this series last week, Andy talked about love connecting. The week before, I talked about love speaking and how our words make such a difference if we're spoken in love. We use our our model as God himself. Because John tells us in 1 John 4.8 that God is love. God is love. I love that verse because it doesn't say God knows what love's like or God demonstrates love, although he has, or uh, God gives us some advice on love. John's saying God is love. In him is found love itself. And it's not even just something that theoretically we can look up and imagine, wow, what would it be like to, to receive God and to see all that love? God actually came in the flesh in the person of Jesus, and demonstrated what love looks like in the physical sense. We get to see love in the life of Jesus. And we're going to look at another incident in Jesus' life this morning where he demonstrated love in the way that he served. Because the truth is, from his closest friends to the thousands, people would have seen in Jesus a man who served. Now, they may not have seen him empty a dishwasher or fill a garbage can, but we are going to see this morning that there was a very specific moment in Jesus' life where he demonstrates what it looks like to serve others. And hopefully this morning, whether it's in your marriage, your roommates, your, your friends, your neighbors, whoever it is, we will be inspired to follow the example of Jesus himself. We will serve others, and people will see that love does through us as we serve others. So let's take a look at this specific incident that happened in the life of Jesus. We have four accounts, you know, of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to look at this one this morning through the eyes of one of Jesus' disciples, through John's account. This is really significant because John was in the room where it happened. Little plug there for you Hamilton lovers. Okay, John was in the room where what we talk about this morning actually happened. So this isn't John just telling a story of something he's heard about. This is John recounting what it was like that night in this room. He starts the account this way in John chapter 13 verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So John's saying, listen, before I even tell you this story, let me me set the scene for the kind of love that Jesus showed us. He loved us so much. As his disciples, it was so clear, it was so obvious that he loved us. As I'm writing these words in the future, thinking back to what it was like being there with Jesus that night in that room, we just knew, we just knew that he loved us. John writes the phrase, he loved them to the end. Another way of translating this would be, he loved them to the full extent. So this isn't just a random verse that John is putting in here. I'm going to move my garbage can here before I kick it over. This is, a, uh, this is an introduction to a story that John is about to tell about Jesus. He says, you need to understand that what I'm about to tell you comes through 
Jesus, who just loved us to the fullest extent. In fact, what I'm about to tell you was a demonstration of how he loved us to the fullest extent. It still blows my mind, I would imagine John thinks, as he looks back and remembers what Jesus did that night. So what was it that Jesus did? I'll give you a hint. Love serves. The evening meal was in progress, verse 2, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So before we even get into what Jesus does in the way that he serves others, I think we have to press pause here just for a second and, and realize the magnitude of the fact that not only does Jesus show love here by serving, it's some of the people in the room who he was serving. One of them was a guy called Judas. A guy who betrayed Jesus. A guy who Jesus knew already that would betray him. In our view of this, this is, this is an enemy of Jesus. And Jesus is about to demonstrate love serves. And Judas is going to be the recipient of that serving. Now, I know some of you need to, to visualize this to totally understand what this, what this must have been like. So I was trying to think of like a modern day of, example of what it would have been like for Jesus to have served Judas in that way. So I was trying to think of a modern day situation of a man who, who just has an enemy and it's just really hard to understand that person being nice to that person. And the, the obvious person I could think of was Michael Scott and Toby. And... Um, <laughs> For you office fans out there, okay? And, and I thought of these two because I remember there'd been a specific scene in the show The Office where uh, Toby is about to leave. Now, if you've not watched this show, uh, Michael's the boss, Toby works for him. Michael can't stand Toby. He just, for whatever reason, just doesn't like this guy, okay? They're, they're just arch enemies throughout the whole show. And this day comes where Toby's going to leave the office, and Michael's so excited because finally his enemy is leaving. So, um, he decides to have a bit of fun at Toby's expense, and he has to do an exit interview. So he's got these awful questions that he's going to ask Toby. He's bought him a gift, and it's a rock in a box, okay? He's just bought him a rock that he's going to open this lovely little gift. It's going to be just a rock inside. And as he's about to do this, two of his colleagues come into the office, and now he faces the embarrassment of having to go through this, what he was going to do to, to harm Toby in front of his colleagues. And now he has to kind of change his plan a little bit. And uh, I'm setting up the scene. Just watch this scene real quick. Michael. That's... What do you mean, Michael? That's not even my handwriting. Hey! Who thought it would be hysterical to give Toby a rock for his going away gift? You did. No! You made me wrap it. No, I thought it was over the line. And I just... Okay. You know what that is? You know what that is? That is... A psych. Psych. So, that is not my real gift to Toby. <laughs> So what is your gift? My gift is forthcoming, Pam. What is it? I am going to give Toby... Your watch? Yes, I am. That was it. How did you know that? I just knew. How did you know? Oh, that is so sweet. Well, wow. that's my watch. Thanks, I'm going to set it to Costa Rica time. Hey, that's good. Did you see that look in Michael's eyes where he realized, I'm about to lose my watch here to Toby? <laughs> I feel like sometimes we think like that, don't we, with people in lives, especially when it comes to serving. Like we have these prerequisites. I'm okay to serve, but oh, I'm not sure I want to serve that person. I've done the dishes the last three nights. It's their turn. 
She never offers to watch my children, so why should I help her out? He didn't do this, so I'm not going to do that. And we have these prerequisites, these conditionals, this conditional serving that we put in place. But the fact that Jesus was willing to do what we're about to see he does to Judas of all people shows us in his actions that the first thing we need to understand about serving is serving isn't about what the other person deserves. Serving isn't about what the other person deserves. We don't do this because this person merits this or because it's this, you know, it's this person's right. We do this because of what it does for us. Serving at its heart isn't really about how the other person will react. Jesus didn't serve his friends because they deserved it. He served his friends, Judas included, because it was the essence of his being. It was love inside of Jesus. It was his character. And love serves. Verses 3 through 5, here is how Jesus served his loved ones. Even Judas, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Just think about this for a moment. The disciples wouldn't have fully understood this at the time, but we understand this because we're able to look back historically at the moment at which Jesus did this. This was just hours before Jesus would be arrested. Less than a day before he would be tried and, and crucified. This is one of the last things he gets to do with his disciples. And what does he choose to do with this time? He chooses to spend it washing the feet of his disciples. I mean, what's that about? I don't know about you, but I'd be thinking, this, this is the last moment I've got with these guys. Let's go around the room. Let's all share a favorite memory of time with Jesus. Come on, tell me, tell me your favorite story. Why wouldn't he use us to do one last miracle? I mean, this could have been his grand finale. Guys, I know you saw me walk on water. I don't know you saw me raise that person from the dead, but check this out. <laughs> This could have been like the big last. He doesn't do anything like that. Instead, he does the complete opposite. He chooses to do something so simple and so mundane in that he gets down on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. Now, this may come as a surprise to some of you this morning, but after Hours this week of exhaustive research of Middle Eastern traditions from 2,000 years ago. Do you know what I discovered? Foot washing was not on the list of preferred jobs. Yeah, apparently this wasn't something people enjoyed doing back then. Let's be honest, it's probably not something people enjoy doing today either. <laughs> but it was a job. In households, there was somebody, normally a servant, whose responsibility it was to wash the feet of the guests coming into the house. And the reason being because back in Jesus' time, people didn't wear regular shoes, they wore sandals, unlike today where we still wear sandals. Um, and they walked on dirty, dusty streets with no sanitation. So when you walked into somebody's house, your feet were in a bit of a mess. 
So normally there will be somebody there whose job it was as a sign of respect and welcome into the home to wash the feet of the guests. But today, for whatever reason, when they entered this place, no one was there. I wonder if the disciples, like you and I do sometimes with this trash can, walked by and thought, someone needs to empty that. I'm sure someone else will. Someone should be washing the feet here. I'm I'm sure someone else will. And, And everybody walked by, and it ends up that the person in the room most deserving of not having to do this task is the one who actually did it. Jesus showed love serving in that he got down on his knees in front of the disciples, and one by one, he washed their feet. Do you know, for Jesus, as the teacher or rabbi in that culture of these disciples, the idea of him doing something like this was absolutely preposterous. In that culture, this just would never have happened. But I think in that moment, Jesus wanted to do something to demonstrate what love looks like. We talked about that earlier, didn't we, in communion, that there's a lot of things you can, you can teach and a lot of things you can tell, but sometimes the best way to communicate a truth is in an action. When Jesus broke bread and, and drank from the cup and said, do this in remembrance of me, he knew that this would be a great way to remind people for years to come to remember the great price that he paid for us on the cross. Jesus could have given a big teaching to his disciples there on how love represents itself through service, but instead he demonstrated it by doing something so normal, so, so lowly, so simple, and yet so powerful. You know, serving can be the most impactful when it's commonplace. That's what Jesus proved. This was a very normal thing to do. It was a simple act, much greater than these grandiose gestures that that sometimes I think you and I think of when it comes to serving. It was just something very simple. And I think that's where I get challenged by Jesus in this moment. Because I'll be honest this morning, I I like to serve. I like to to show my wife what a great help I am around the house, and I like to show what I was just shaking her head. so I look for these grand opportunities to show that. So I've told this story before, but a while back, our washing machine wasn't working right, and she wasn't home one day, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to impress her here. I'm going to fix the washing machine. I'm going to take it apart. I'm going to figure out what's wrong with it, and I'm going to fix it. So I did. She came home one day, and the entire washing machine was in pieces on the floor in the laundry room. I expected her to be extremely excited at the thought that I was serving in this way, but strangely enough, she wasn't. Part of that was because the part I'd found that I thought was broken was going to take four days to come. So for four days, we couldn't do any laundry in the house. But when it came, and I put it all back together, and it worked, I thought she'd be impressed. This huge act of service. She wasn't. Four days, she'd been without laundry. She wasn't even impressed for the next eight days that it continued to work before it broke again. And we had to get rid of it and just eventually buy another one because I really have no business fixing washing machines. But I'll tell you the real reason I think she wasn't as impressed as she could have been by my grand act of service was because at the same time as me getting down on my hands and knees and fixing this whole washing machine, she was still stepping over T-shirts of mine that were laying on the floor in the bedroom that probably should have been put away in a drawer. But I was going to wear them again in a few days, so why would I put them away if I'm just going to wear them again? (laughs) 
Do you know, it's, it's awesome that her dad comes to this church. <laughs> so just keeps me accountable. <laughs> the tea mugs that would just be left, different spots around the house, the, the sink that was full. I, I was passing by all these simple ways in which I could serve because I was going to impress her with this grand way in which I could serve. And I wonder if we do that sometimes. We, we overlook these simple ways that we can show love in how we serve one another because we want to do the big things. We want to make a big difference. There's an author by the name of Shane Claiborne, and he said, everybody wants a revolution, but no one wants to do the dishes. That's a great thought, isn't it? Everyone wants, everyone wants to do something big and exciting, but, but no one wants to do the dishes. I came across this thought by a guy, uh, his name's Fred Craddock. He's an author and a professor. And he used this analogy I thought was a great analogy in talking about service. So uh, he was talking about a check. I've got a check here. It's written out for $1,000. And every one of us wants to, to write that check. We want to do something big. We want to say, yeah, I want to show, show my love in the, the large gift that I want to give here. And we say, here's my life, Lord. I'm going to do a really big thing for you. This, this check represents my life. And you know what God does? God sends us to the bank. And he has us cash that check. And he has us fill a bucket full of $1,000 worth of quarters. And he says, now go out and spend those quarters one at a time. Live out your life giving and serving one quarter at a time. So what does that mean? What does it look like to, to give, to serve one quarter at a time? Maybe it's listening to a friend who's struggling. That's, that's not a thousand dollars. That's a quarter. But to that friend, that might be a great way to serve. Helping with something around the house before being asked. Offering to look after someone's brand new puppy at four o'clock in the morning because it keeps barking and crying. <laughs> Seriously, I'll, I'll do 50 cents, I'll do a dollar, I'll anything, I will. <laughs> this wasn't actually in my notes earlier this week, but our life took a very strange twist on Friday when uh, we had an addition to our family. If I could uh, introduce on the picture here, sorry, I know. Now some of you are like, I thought you weren't a dog guy. I'm not. I'm not a dog guy. I'm still a cat guy, but now I'm a cat guy that owns a dog. And um, I've got to admit, he is a very cute dog. And uh, our daughter, Emma, for ages and ages has been asking if we could get a dog as a family. And uh, I would say, no, no, no. I grew up in a place in England called Surrey. And Emma said one day, Dad, what if we got a dog and we called it Surrey? Well, that is a cute name. That would be. So here's the whole family holding that dog, Surrey. Yeah, he's, he's not at all cute in the middle of the night when I have to get up and look after him. And I said that just for Casey's sake because uh, she did do most of the uh, waking up during the night to look after this little dog. But I will say this. You can look forward to some great sermon illustrations over the coming weeks and months because I've got a feeling that I'm going to learn a lot about patience and perseverance and I'm still not convinced I'm a dog guy but he is kind of a cute little dog. Craddock says this, he says, usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. I loved the thought behind that when I read that. 
Because I think when it comes to serving, especially us this morning that are followers of Jesus, I, I bet none of us, if we were asked, would you be willing as a follower of Jesus to serve in some way, would say no. We'd say absolutely. I, I, I want to do that. That's part of who I am as a follower of Jesus. Tell, tell me how much to write the check for. But it's actually down one quarter at a time in those small acts of service. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't room for those large um, opportunities to serve. Obviously, there is. We had some wonderful people this last weekend who, who uh, represented Connect at Good Neighbor Days and just did some incredible things, helped with food and uh, moving garbage around and all sorts of things. And I, I love seeing that take place. But the challenge is to live like Jesus in the everydayness of our lives. Because as Jesus demonstrated when he washed the feet of his disciples, it's the commonplace things that can often make the biggest impact. Jesus didn't just model love in this act of service. He then issued a challenge to his disciples. And let's be honest, to us today as we continue to read this account from John. Verses 12 through 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, I don't think Jesus was creating a, um, uh, a, a theology here of foot washing. You know, now that I've washed your feet, you must go and wash other people's feet. And we as followers of Jesus must wash feet all the time. I don't think that's what Jesus, what Jesus was demonstrating here was the, the example of him serving. Now that I have shown you what love looks like in my example, you too should do the same. He didn't just give a short sermon on serving. He didn't give out bracelets that had the words hashtag foot washer on them. He just got down and he demonstrated what it looks like to serve. And then he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Do you know the original language here, this, this word uh, example, it literally means a pattern or tracing that someone else would follow. So a little bit like a template, if you're given a template, something. So, so Jesus was saying, I'm drawing a template here. I'm giving you a literal example of what I expect you should do. Because when we serve, we make the God who is love visible. Every time we have a cup of coffee with someone who's lonely, we cut the lawn for a, a neighbor, we offer to help someone load a U-Haul for a move. These acts of service, they make God visible as they communicate to others, you matter. You matter to God and you matter to me. And this may only be a 25 cent act of service, but love serves. And I'll be honest with you this morning, maybe some of you are thinking, really, Dave? Cutting my neighbor's yards, that's, that's what you, Jesus wants me to do? There's all this wonderful, rich teaching here, all this stuff that we could be sharing, and, and, and you're saying it's as simple as just something like that. I, if it wasn't, I don't think Jesus would have done something as simple and mundane as washed the feet of his disciples. And yet in that moment, he was setting an example. 
He was saying, this is kind of what's expected of you as my followers. To have that kind of attitude of, I'm not Lord and teacher. I'm, I'm going to demonstrate love in how I serve. I want you to think this morning, practically as we leave, just about some of those relationships in your life. It could be family, friends, loved ones, neighbors, colleagues at work. And ask yourself this question, what are the 25 cent acts of service that you and I could do this week, every day, that would make the God who is love visible? There's a great Methodist preacher, his name is John Wesley, and I love this quote by him. He says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. What a great quote. And we don't do this to earn the love of God. We don't do this to try and earn our place in his kingdom. We do this because of his love. Because we took communion earlier, Jesus demonstrates such a great act of love in giving his life for us. Jesus, because you showed love to me, I want to show your love to others. In the way that love speaks and love connects. And this morning, the way that love serves others. So here's what I want to do this morning to to kind of send you away with a little bit of a challenge. Today, we're going to give away $1,000. Well, actually, not $1,000. It's going to be a couple of hundred dollars, basically. But I went and I got a few hundred dollars worth of quarters. And at the doors on the way out this morning, there are some buckets here that are full of quarters. And on the way out, I want you to grab one of those quarters, one of those quarters... (laughs) We'll search you before you leave. If we find any other quarters in your pocket, there'll be trouble. (laughs) This is great. You can tell your friends, I went to church, and in the middle, they passed around these buckets. We had to put some money in. In the end, they had buckets we could take money out. (laughs) It's a brilliant church. You should check it out. I want you to grab a quarter, and I want you to do me a favor. Put it somewhere this week that it'll remind you of this. Maybe it's a spot in your car, maybe you're going to tape it to your bathroom mirror, put it on your counter, just put it somewhere. I want this to be like a reminder to you this week. That yes, God's called us to serve in some grand ways, but he also called us to serve in some fairly ordinary ways because it demonstrates his love to others. What would happen if all of us this morning made this commitment to make small 25-cent acts of service in our everyday lives? What difference would that make in our families, in our friends, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods? Jesus demonstrated the full extent of his love when he knelt down and he served. He's our example. He's our pattern, our template. So may you and I imitate him one quarter at a time. Because love serves. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord. We we started out this morning by talking about that verse where it says, God is love. And just that alone is amazing, Lord, that we can look to you, the creator of the universe, um, and yet someone who we can have a relationship with, and and we can learn so much about love from you. But but you moved from theory to reality 2,000 years ago when you came in the flesh in the form of Jesus. And you showed us what it looks, what love looks like in the flesh. 
It's so wonderful to look at the life of Jesus and what he did to reach people in his culture who others had turned their backs on, to show love in so many different ways. And this morning, as we look at that, that very special moment where, Jesus, you bent down and washed at the feet of your disciples, you showed us, Lord, that even in the mundane, normal, commonplace tasks, love serves. Help us this week to be a people that have known that we are followers of you because of the way we serve. In Jesus' name, amen.